It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a machine, listen to yourself, the world, but it don't need something to your own head. Speed it up and I have got no seats. The ladder from the platter with the fear fight down. I fire in the fire, Mr. Southern Gang, the government for hiring the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, leave the jury, it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the hour of doom. I'd like to say in bloom, but I'm a little under the weather. You are a little yeah. bit under the weather. You've got <laughs> so a how about cold, if I say, thing. Yeah, I know. It's okay. Life sometimes gets you down, but that's all right. I'll get right back up. But it is the also the hour, hour of, of bloom. Of bloom. Yes. The hour of phlegm or something. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's disgusting. <laughs> Hey, friends and neighbors, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a raucous round of righteousness in an unruly world. I'm Joe Alton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 900 posts, videos, podcasts, all sorts of good stuff on medical preparedness for any disaster. I'm very upset with you. Why? Because it's not a thousand yet. Oh, no, it is almost a thousand. Yeah, how close are you? I'm uh, 960-something. Ooh. All right, well, folks, you need to send your topics in, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh I am Nurse Amy, actually known as Amy Alton. I am an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And the hostess with the mostess, a ARMP, a (laughs) CNM. Oh, you have all sorts of crazy, crazy initials after your name. MSN. MSN. Master of Science in Nursing. Oh, right. So you have, Wow. You and are, I ha- and a BSN, but the MSN surpasses, surpasses that, so that. you don't wow. say that anymore. Well, how about that? <laughs> and at one point, I was I was an RN, registered nurse. Before that, while I was in school, they let us become an LPN. Right. So I was a licensed practical you just moved nurse. Right along. There, and before you? that, after my my second year of nursing school, because there were four years, they actually let us become nursing assistants. So I worked in a hospital as a nursing assistant. So I. I've been a jack of trades. You've done <laughs> and, everything. And I walked, worked in Central Supply, I think it was called Resource, CSR it was, where we sterilized all the instruments and picked up all the old equipment and washed it down and cleaned it down and sterilized stuff. Well, there's very few places that you haven't been in the, in the hospital, I'll say that much. I'd like to say I wasn't a janitor, but I'll tell you what, mm. LPNs and RNs might as well be janitors, too, because we cleaned up a lot of floors and beds and stretchers and emptied out trash. And 
Well, it can get pretty messy. So we did everything. <laughs> yes, indeed. Wow. Well, I am very proud of all of you have accomplished, and I'm very proud to have you as Aww. my co-host. No, you just want. <laughs> we are indeed a perfect pair. Aw. No, you just married me so I could be your nurse. In your old, in my old, old age. age. You mean today, <laughs> yesterday, no, last no. week? Yep. <laughs> now, well, folks, we are here with a special mission. That mission is to put a medically prepared person in every family for any disaster. And we're here to help you keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. Friends and neighbors, <laughs> have you been injured in an accident? With a vituperous viper, oh my goodness. Our attorney says, don't call me. Call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. And listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience, audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Well, you know, it's hard okay, to sniffles. say all that when yeah, you can't breathe through your nose. I know. Well, I Perhaps went, you could I have went it, through it just a week re- before. pre-recorded. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, anybody listening knows <laughs> I've asked for that previously. He just likes me to say it over I like over. you to say it cuz I cuz you mess it up sometimes. <laughs> lots of fun. lots of fun. And you get a good laugh. Yeah, well, I mess up much more than you do so. Oh, it's okay, darling. It's so, the content, not necessarily the delivery. Well, that's true. Hey, you know, it's important to seek modern and standard medical care when it's available. But when the ambulance isn't just around the corner, what you got to do? Call Ghostbusters? I think not. Well, you know, in a major disaster, you just might be the end of the line when it comes to your family's health. So use some of those brain cells that the good Lord gave you and learn what to do for injuries and illness in a disaster. What a great way to display your intelligence, your common sense, and By the way, your supplies, if you happen to get some, you should have a solid medical kit in your storage. And what better place to get it than Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated, never equaled (laughs) medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. Well, I just want to tell folks there's a few new things in the store. Uh Uh, One, I put up a box of scalpels. You can get a full box of 10 scalpels, which are number 10. So get 10 number 10. Those are the best for incising and draining abscesses and things like that. Right. Um, I also now offer an option of any kit that has a soft tea tourniquet in it to check off a box while you're ordering if you would prefer to have a combat application tourniquet or called a cat. A Gen 7 cat. A Gen 7 The newest, latest, single buckle routing, gray time. And, by the way, these are from North American Rescue. The real thing. They are real. I'm actually having a conversation uh, with the manufacturer um, who is in South Carolina about um, some of these other tourniquets that I've found at shows and actually in other kits that... Um, they're hinting to me that aren't real, but they want some more pictures. So I took some more pictures of a couple of them that I found at some of these expos, and I purchased them so I could find out, are these the real deal or not? So I'm getting a definitive 
100% answer. Actually, two. there's two different ones. They both have a, a picture of a jumping cat, cat on them. That's not what cat Which means. <laughs> the actual ones, the real ones with the tight plastic package and the Gen 7s do not have a jumping cat on them. Um, so I'm going to get a, an answer back from them. So this will be very interesting. They should have been able to tell from the front picture because the instruction page that's inside has the leaping cat, whereas the ones from North American Rescue do not have a cat uh-huh. or any kind of jumping animal of any sorts on their their paper. So, well, anyway. as you can see, Nurse Amy I think they're is actually pretty, afraid to tell me. Feels pretty strongly <laughs> about getting get the real, the real deal. deal. That's right, and nope, and sure, absolutely. I mean, our kits are designed by indeed a the real deal doctor and a real deal advanced registered nurse practitioner we believe <laughs> that if you compare them for contents quality and cost with anybody else's stuff you'll agree they're the kit that you should have in your medical storage check them out at store.doomandbloom.net and there's one other uh, small item that i also put up you know guys i try not to be walmart i mean i have everything that you see in all of my kits is there some if there is something you can't find elsewhere and you want to ask me for a price, please feel free to email me at dr, that's dr like doctor, bones, B-O-N-E-S, podcast, which is what you're listening to, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at AOL.com. So I can provide you a price uh, if you want 20 of something or 10 of something, it doesn't matter. Um, I'll give you the best price I possibly can. But another item that's now on the store, it's, it's a little thing, but you never know, Four. 12cc curved tip syringes. Those are included in my dental kit and they're excellent for irrigating wounds and also irrigating um, the hole that's left when you have removed a tooth. So that's why it's included in the dental kit. Excellent dental supply. For rinsing out. So a couple new things uh, on the store and of course now the option for a cat tourniquet. Newest, latest, they're brand new. I just got them. Well, that makes a lot of sense because a lot of people are aware of the cat tourniquet or may yeah. have used it in it's the military. They, train, they like it. Or, right, you know? exactly. And they may want that instead of the exactly. softy, although they are pretty similar, but still there there are some differences. So I think that that is a great option for oh, people. Oh, and I have the holders. I'm not sure that I mentioned that from a company called, uh, I think it's 1110. Right, if you want to carry. Uh, 1110, they're solid. Holders, they're not um, vinyl or nylon. Plastic. They're hard, thick plastic with a, it's called tech lock. So it actually locks onto your belt or a loop of molly if you want. And you can pull them right out. There's no uh, top on them. So they're just open. You can just one-handed pull them out. And if you set them up right when you when you pack it in there, they'll they'll open up for your loop and you can self-apply for so yourself. I have one for a cat and I have a separate one for the soft tea. So a great one to carry. Really cool if looking. If you're in at an at-risk situation, you want to carry a tourniquet right on you that you yep. can get out quickly. Or put on the that, outside of a, of a kit that you have too. Oh, that's true. And you have true. Molly, you can attach it. So they're black, but they have a, a really cool orange cross on them. So it screams out, I'm a first aid supply. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Well, you're just moving right along. I'm trying, you know. I find cool stuff, and I just, I don't know. I love medical supplies. 
I know it sounds crazy, but I just love them. I love walking into my warehouse. I love having them at home. I I keep so much at home. Uh, Joe, Dr. Bones here always says, why do we have so much of this here? I'm like, well, just in case. Okay, guys, my warehouse is five minutes away, but you just never know. (laughs) I might need all of this. Now, if you would like to contact Nurse Amy and tell her how nuts she is, <laughs> here she is. She's Don't go- do that. Here she is to let you know how you can connect. Well, with I already us. told you guys the email again. That's drbonespodcast at aol dot com. You can find us on Facebook at our Survival Medicine Doctor Bones and Nurse Amy. Group, we have yeah. yep. That's a, a Facebook group. We have a, a couple of pages. Doom and Bloom is one of them. The other one is Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy Show. Uh, we have a personal Facebook, which is under your name, Joe Alton. Sure, M- friend me anytime. MD. And let's see what else we got. I think that's all for Facebook. Twitter, we have at Prepper Show. By the way, folks, if you haven't subscribed to Twitter, I am now... Once or twice a day, as long as I'm not, like, on my deathbed here, tweeting out some, how would you say it, helpful hints. What helpful just, hints. Helpful health Amy's hints. Amy's helpful hints. Household hints. Um, Nurse Amy's helpful household hints. Hints, tri- tips, and tricks. What are you doing? I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to, to think of something. That, I'm trying to think of something that's catchy. Tips and tricks Yeah. for... Uses of everyday items. All, you know, right. all kinds of like just cool little things that I find. All right. Well, that sounds good. So that you'll find that on Twitter. Twitter and, at Prepper Show. Right. And don't forget our YouTube channel at DR yes. Bones Nurse Amy. And of course, we have another podcast besides this one that is called American Survival Radio. It is indeed uh, syndicated to a number of radio stations, including KPJC, Relevant News Talk Radio out of Salem, Oregon, KRFE, Lubbock, Texas. KFAR, Fairbanks, Alaska. So uh, we hope that if you live in those areas that you'll certainly check in and also you'll find us at Genesis Communications Network Live.com. That's GCNLive.com, which is uh, the home of a lot of great shows, actually. May, not just Yeah, ours. they do have a lot of good shows. But you'll find our, our show is called The American Survival Radio Hour. Now, the important thing is that you need to know that we are not just here on the airwaves, that we travel to where oh, you are. Boy, do we We're travel. We're going to be everywhere from <laughs> Vermont to Oregon this year, Texas and North Carolina, so much more. You Ohio. Know, please we'll be doing come. A show, a, a show in Ohio at the Ohio. end of June. End of June will be in Ohio. So we're going to be all over the country, Midwest, Southeast. Do you want me to mention Northeast, any of the shows specifically? West. No, I think we're, we're about three or four weeks away, so let, we'll wait till. Them, but we have quite a few of them, and you'll we'll do classes, free classes. We'll do hands-on classes. We'll do all sorts of great and stuff. And today, by the way, is what mm. March thirty-first. First, uh huh. Well, where does the time go? It really goes. I'm gonna have to play a trick on you tomorrow. Why is that? Because tomorrow's April first. Ah, <laughs> very interesting. So I have to think about that. Well, speaking of a oh, trick, wait. Uh, I just got a message. This is very important. Okay. From my manager at the warehouse. 
Our internet's been down for a couple of days there. He says, the AT&T robot voice said there is a network outage in the area due to aliens touching down and using their force fields to corrupt the Wi-Fi networks of Broward and Dade County. I knew it. The MIB is in negotiation with our foreign friends right now, but it doesn't look like the issue is going to be resolved until tomorrow, April 1st at 3.02 p.m. <laughs> oh. I'm not kidding, folks. I just got this text. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He's a, he's a lot like you. I have a lot of Joes in my life. His name is Joe. Also, the one yep. next to me is Joe. <laughs> Amazing. Hey, I wanted. Speaking of tricks, I want to talk a little bit about a trick that I think is being played on not only uh, the public but also <laughs> also honestly on our military. And that trick is this medical supply, this medical hemostatic agent called Xstat. And this Xstat, if you haven't heard of it, is a syringe full of these small sponges, 92 or 93 of them, I forget which, that expand in the body. You inject it into small diameter bullet wounds that are bleeding and supposedly very helpful to stop bleeding there. And the, the thing is, is that a lot of people are talking about them in the survival community, but I'm looking at these things and they're not only are they prescription only, but they're also extraordinarily expensive. How much did you price that out a while ago, Xstat? Oh boy, it was um, over three. No, excuse me, over four hundred and thirty dollars. I think it was like four thirty-eight, four thirty-nine each, or each per syringe. Wow, that is amazing. Well, you know, it may, and more amazing is that what is the thing that stops the bleeding there? Sealogs, right? Sealogs. <laughs> each one of those Just little sponges, ninety-two of them, are all covered in sealogs. Which is what but we use in our kits. Exactly, which is really funny because the you can read websites and their main website about Xstat and read and read and read, and it's very hard to find exactly when they admit to having them covered with chitazan, which is Sealox. Wow. Yeah, it's mm. like in fine print. They talk about the 92 sponges. They talk about the 92 sponges expanding which helps to stop bleeding. But seriously, you might as well use Sealox or even Quick Clot for that matter because, oh boy, is it cheaper. Wow. Do you get, did you really want to get me started on this Xstat? No, not too much. I just wanted to, mention, just wanted to mention that I think it is a little bit of a... Hooey. Hooey thing because... Government truth, sponsored. Government sponsored. We might mention. Right, the Department of Defense. Government funded. Right, exact, exactly, is paying for these $430 XSTAT syringes. Which have to be picked out by a surgeon one by one. Each one of those sponges, 92 to 93 sponges, you have to actually cut Pick the person out. open, possibly, if it's a small enough and you have to count wound. Them. And during the studies, they... they I will tell you, and, and this is all online for you to read, to stop the hemorrhaging in pigs, which they caused a wound, they had to use between one and eight of those syringes eight. to wow. stop the hemorrhaging. So, at a worst case scenario, eight syringes times 430 something dollars, although you can buy three, four, I think they said they were trying to get it to a thousand dollars. You can buy three for a thousand. So right. we have three for a thousand, another three for a thousand, and let's say you use almost the other thousand. So we're talking thirty right, so seven hundred dollars possibly to stop one hemorrhage that could have easily been taken care of with a 
35 or $40 Sealox gauze and a, and a tourniquet. Pretty I mean, ridiculous. It is, and sounds like. There are only two locations that it is FDA cleared to use. You cannot use it on an extremity. So if you carry this, it is not FDA approved for your arms or your legs, only subclavicle. Uh-huh, subclavicle. You're under your collarbone. Or? Or pelvic. Pelvic. Groin, but right or left side only. I mean, that's the only place you're allowed to use it. That's it. So you still have to carry other products for your extremities or other areas. It doesn't seem that they would And it's even a prescription. Met, doesn't Nobody seem like they would say it. anything really positive about it given the circumstances. It has never been, it, to, to my knowledge, and I do try to keep up on this, it has never been used on a combat victim or, a, or any kind of injury on the field. It has, however, been used in an operating room mm-hmm. under surgical conditions with a patient with anesthesia and a bunch of doctors standing around. Now, by the way, if there's anybody out there that knows of a circumstance in which this, this uh, product, XSTAT, has been used in the field, please connect with us at drbonespodcast at AOL.com. Because <laughs> I, I, I'd like to I know. want proof because I know it hasn't been used. They actually admit that it hasn't been used in field testing yet. Wow. In field. So no victim has ever been used. But can you imagine why would the government spend $1,000 for three of these syringes, which they're not too small. Yeah. I mean, so who? first of all, who's going to have the room on themselves to carry it? These guys are already, and gals, are bogged down with so much equipment. They still have to have the same equipment for extremities. So now they're carrying syringes. They mainly carry one or three of them, depending on the cost. Can you imagine three at $1,000 per soldier? It's That's amazing. That's insane. Insane. And then this victim is going to get to the the surgical suite and the military doctor is going to look in there and go, you've got to be kidding me. What if there's a lot of casualties? What if something big happens? Who's going to pick out 92 sponges? And this doctor really needs to quickly go from victim to victim to help save as many lives as possible. And he's got to go one, two, three, four. I guarantee you that'll happen once. And those doctors are going to, Call their superiors and say, if you ever bring me a patient with XSTAT here again, you can give them to someone else because I'm not doing it. I, I know I would if I was a surgeon. How would you feel about that? Well, if you got a bunch me, of guys it, lined up that you need to get to, then they're all gonna about be somebody, to die. going to be somebody living with some sponges in their belly for <laughs> a good long time. Wow. Well, how about Sorry, that? Sorry, folks. That is probably not the best. So, but consider Sealox. Sealox is an excellent product. Quick Lot is good too. So yeah. we have we have those two, and so, those are yeah. officially on the TCCC guidelines. Now the funny thing is, they XSTAT, since it's government sponsored, has actually gotten themselves added uh-huh. to the TCCC guidelines. Right. Even though they can't point to a lot of infield, they they have none. They wow. have none. They've managed because of their connections and who paid for their. Um, their program, they actually got themselves on the guidelines um, for the the junctional uh, wounds. Mm. So you're you can apply that before you put on the junctional tourniquet. Uh, well, if you guys As an out option. there, yep. <laughs> if you guys out there have some inside dirt you want to share with us, please connect with us. We are very interested in following this story up 
as as well, things progress. Because we get so many questions about. You know what happens? Two years happened. Two years ago, they did a media blitz. Right. It was in all the newspapers, on television, right. in the newspaper, in magazines, as if it was the next coming of, I don't know, the holy grail of like antibiotics. When antibiotics were created, it was as if, you know, that fell from the heavens. And it turns out through research that it really wasn't better than the Celox or Quick Clot products. But, however, if you had these two particular spots and that's all you had, that you could use it. Right. Well, it may be superior in those individual circumstances. It, no, that's not what the TCC says. Oh, not superior. No, it okay. just happens to be the third option. Oh, just another option. Yes, okay. it's well, the third option. Boy, oh boy. First okay. is Quick Clot. Second is Celox. Third is this. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, sounds like uh, something going on there. So, like I said, if you know about it out there, guys, I sure hope the government doesn't waste know. their money. Although I will say, if you have a junctional wound, that is really serious, and you need some sort of hemostat. Good to have it. You know, that's right. That's have right. something. Well, I want to talk about something else that I haven't talked about for a while. I haven't talked about antibiotics for a while. Of course, we've talked to you about all the different uh, veterinary equivalent antibiotics that I found years ago. And when I wrote the the first article by a doctor on these kinds of bird and fish antibiotics, mm-hmm. and it looks like an entire cottage industry has gone up around around it. And I think that it's important for us to... Make sure that every prepper or everybody that's going to be medically responsible should have some antibiotics available. And, you know, I have pretty strict criteria when I look at an antibiotic used in animals that might be useful in humans if the you-know-what hits the fan. We'll talk about what those criteria are in just a little while. But a number of folks have asked me to comment on Clavamox, C-L-A-V-M-O-X. And that's a combination drug in the penicillin family that's used for dogs and cats. In human form, you might know it by the brand name Augmentin. And let me tell you a little bit about it. Augmentin, or Clavamox, are combinations of a penicillin-class antibacterial drug, amoxicillin, and something called a beta-lactamase inhibitor, clavulanic acid that's indicated in the treatment of infections. Uh, Well, beta-lactamase inhibitor, what the heck is that? Well, more in just a minute. Be patient with me. This combination drug works by killing bacteria by not allowing bacteria to synthesize cell walls, which is essentially their skin, their armor. And if they can't synthesize that, if they can't make cell walls, they you don't have bacteria. However, this medicine, whether it's just amoxicillin or augmentin or clavamox, you know, it's important that just like any antibiotic, it's not going to work for colds, flus, or other virus infections. Remember, viruses are different than antibiotics, than bacteria, that bacteria have an entirely different sort of an, quote, microcellular anatomy and they are different antibacterials like amoxicillin or augmentin or clavamox will not work against viruses. So I just want to put that out there and now you can just put that on the shelf and let's talk some more. This is what augmentin in human form is used for. It's used for lower respiratory tract infections. Uh, it's used for ear infections, otitis media. Kids, you know, get otitis media. 
Uh, sinusitis is very good for that. It's good for skin and skin structure infections like uh, abscesses, boils, things like that. It's good for urinary tract infections, for example, like E. coli infections or Klebsiella, all the common uh, different bacteria that cause that. So makes you wonder why, if when there's amoxicillin, you know, why is there amoxicillin with another drug in it like clavulanic acid? Uh, and why would you use that in animals or humans? Because of resistance. We're in the midst of an epidemic of bacterial resistance to a lot of different antibiotics. And this is because many bacteria sometimes destroy parts of an antibiotic's chemical structure. And, and that's what's happening that's making us want to use these combination antibiotic drugs like augmented. Now, part of the core structure of a lot of antibiotic families, including penicillins, including Keflex, uh, cephalosporin-type drugs, is something called a beta-lactam ring. And that's essentially just a chemical chain that's attached to the antibiotic. It's part of the anatomy, chemical anatomy, of many, many different antibiotics. So most beta-lactam antibiotics, if you have the beta-lactam ring in your chemical makeup, they work by stopping the cell wall from synthesizing and therefore kills a bacterial organism. Matter of fact, it's so common that these different antibiotics that are beta-lactam, have the beta-lactam ring, a chemical chain on them, are actually the most widely used group of antibiotics. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Until about 2003, more than half of them had the beta-lactam ring. The problem is that bacteria often develop resistance to these beta-lactam antibiotics because they synthesize something called beta-lactamase. And when you see the word, the letters A-S-E after a chemical uh, name, then that means that it's an enzyme. And an enzyme is something that attacks the chemical and denatures it and, or eliminates it or, or changes it in some way. And what happens is, is that this beta-lactamase disrupts the chemical makeup of the antibiotics and renders those antibiotics unable to kill bacteria. So you have to overcome this resistance somehow, this ability of the, of the bacteria to render the antibiotic ineffective. And so therefore, they have added something that, allow, that prevents the beta-lactamase, the enzyme that the bacteria forms, from being able to work. And that is clavulanic acid. And that's really important in a lot of situations, especially where you have resistant bacteria, areas that you have resistant bacteria. There are so many of these different enzymes that destroy beta-lactam rings in these antibiotics, over 1,800 different enzymes that destroy it, that when bacterial populations have these enzymes, the treatment with any beta-lactam antibiotic without clavulanic acid just basically results in the resistant bacteria becoming even more powerful and even more common. So is Clavamox the dog and cat chemical equivalent to Augmentin? Is that an option for your medical storage?
I mean, it sounds like it would be great to have some available. It has the beta-lactamase inhibitor, and so therefore it would be good for a number of resistant infections. But to answer that, I have to let you know how I choose a vet drug as acceptable for use in post-apocalyptic settings. Their criteria include, one, that the drug has to have only one ingredient, the antibiotic itself, or in this case, the two ingredients that are in it. I mean, in other words, there's nothing in a, in a fish antibiotic, there's nothing that makes your scales shinier in a bird antibiotic, there's nothing that makes your feathers brighter that's added to it. It's just basically the antibiotic itself. Two, that the drug has to be produced in human dosages. For example, amoxicillin or fish mox is fish mox is only produced in human dosages, 250 and 500 milligrams. And so it makes you wonder why a guppy really needs the exact same dose and why you just throw a capsule into the aquarium. But, you know, many times you won't even see a particular formula for how big the, how much you put it into a particular aquarium. I think lately they've come out with saying uh, one capsule per 10 gallons. And people with large aquariums, that, that ends up being a lot of antibiotic if you wind up putting it in, in a 50 or 100 gallon uh, aquarium or 200 gallon aquarium. Imagine how much you're using. Three, the veterinary drug has to be identical in appearance to at least one pharmaceutical company's version of the human antibiotic, down to the identification numbers on the capsules. So Fishmox Forte, for example, the 500 milligram version, is a red and pink capsule with numbers and letters WC731 on it. The human amoxicillin made by Deva Pharmaceuticals is a red and pink capsule with the numbers and letters WC731 on it. In other words, identical in appearance, clearly the exact same medication manufactured in the exact same place and just repackaged for the pet market. And of course, Four, which is the most important thing for preppers, is the drug has to be available without a prescription and without limit to the amount that you can purchase to stockpile. So let's go over these criteria with Clavamox. Now, Clavamox, number one, does meet my criteria in that other than amoxicillin and clavulanic acid, there is nothing else in it. Matter of fact, it contains the exact even form of amoxicillin, amoxicillin trihydrate, and clavulanic clavulinate potassium that you see in augmentin in the human version. Nothing else, just like you see in, augment, in augmentin for humans. However, two, when you get to two, the drug must be produced in human dosages. Clavamox is produced in dosages that can be used on humans, but it's also produced in a lot of other dosages. There are not a lot of cats and dogs that are the size of an adult human, and so therefore they have a lot of very small dosages, like some dosages like the uh, 62.5 milligrams is meant for a dog or cat that weighs about 10 pounds and then ranges all the way up to 1,000 milligram tablets, although the veterinary version, I think, only goes up to about 400. Now, because of all these different dosages, it causes a lot of confusion, so I, I would say this really doesn't meet my criteria unless you really know what you're doing around medicines and drugs. So that's something that's important to know. Now, three... The drug has to be identical in appearance. Well, it does have some, Clavamox does have some dosages that do look very similar to the human version. So I believe that some versions of Clavamox may be the same as the human augmentin. They're just repackaged, but some others look very different, like the Clavamox 
250 milligrams is shaped like a round tablet, and the other one is oblong. The augmentin in the same dosage is oblong. So I'm still looking for a human amoxicillin, I mean augmentin, that matches what the dog Clavamox looks like. So uh, for me right now, that's a swing and a miss, but you know I'm going to continue looking and see what I can find. Now the usual dose of uh, augmentin is about one 500 milligram tablet every 12 hours or one 250 milligram tablet every eight hours. Now, of course, that's a lot more than you give your dog. If you think of it, 6.25 milligrams per pound of dog. So 500 milligrams is a heck of, it's a pretty darn dog unless you have a Great Dane. So Clavamox really doesn't come in dosages that would be very useful for humans. They come in very low dosages, very small dosages. And indeed, Augmentin even comes in higher dosages, all the way up to 1,000 milligrams. One common dose is 875 milligram tablets, and that's every 12 hours, not even once a day. That's way more than a dog would need. And so that makes things more complex, makes it more difficult to be able to use something like Clavamox or Augmentin. Other complexities regarding the antibiotic is that two 250 tablets of Augmentin can't be substituted for one 500 milligram tablet of Augmentin because both the 250 and the 500 milligram tablets contain the same amount of clavulanic acid, uh, 125 milligrams. And so therefore, the you know, two 250 milligram tablets would be sort of an overdose on clavulanic acid, whereas the 500 milligram would have really half the dose of clavulanic acid of two 250 milligram tablets. Now, on top of that, the chewable versus the regular tablet also have this peculiarity. Wow, man, I cannot. <laughs> Blah. You almost got it. <laughs> peculiarity, and it is pretty, pretty strange, really. Uh, the dosage. Another thing that bothers me is the dosage for dogs versus human infants also uses different formulas. Six point two five milligrams per pound of dog for Clavamox, and Augmentin, thirty milligrams per two point two pounds or kilogram. Uh, per day divided every 12 hours for humans. Not exactly the same, a little bit higher amount than that it would be seen for use in dogs. Uh, a little bit higher, not exactly the same. So overall, it's a confusing set of conditions that makes Clavamox a little less than a reasonable choice for the survival medic. I mean, I guess any port in a storm, but the truth of the matter is, is that this port doesn't even exist. Remember, my fourth criteria is that you can get it without a prescription. And on 1-800-PETMEDS.com or PET360 or any, any of a number of other sites I checked out, it states that Clavamox requires a prescription from your veterinarian and is uh, sold by it's sold by the tablets, sold as oral drops, all sorts of crazy ways to get it that you know, that doesn't mean you might not find it somewhere else without a prescription. Sometimes people find lidocaine, for example, a prescription drug without a prescription on some of these sites. But it fails this criteria by not being widely available like the other vet antibiotics that I talk about. Now, it's important to know that, by the way, whatever antibiotics you have in your medical storage, they must be used very wisely. They are not gummy bears. They're real pharmaceuticals that have real effects good ones on the infections they work for, but also side effects that aren't so good. For example, Augmentin, amoxicillin with clavulanic acid, it has side effects that include abdominal pain, 
bloating, diarrhea, gas, headaches, heartburn, nausea and vomiting. Oh boy. Uh, some people even get easy bruising. Other people get rashes, allergic reactions. Sometimes you can even get hepatitis from it, a reversible form of it, but still a, a big issue. You have to remember that antibiotics also alter the normal bacteria of the colon and encourage overgrowth of some bacteria such as uh, Clostridium difficile, which causes something called pseudomembranous colitis, an inflammation of the colon that can be very, very dangerous. So there are a lot of different issues that you'll see that cause some concern. Clavamox, unfortunately, probably not an option for your storage, not as much, certainly, as a lot of the other medicines from which I, uh, about which I talk. So... There's that. Now, let's talk a little bit about let's talk a little bit about infectious diseases and the deaths that they cause, and what's the deal with regards to dead bodies. You know, there are lots of different types of disasters that can befall a community. Certainly, always a concern that a, a catastrophe will have a lot of casualties. And if the number of dead are very high, the assumption that a lot of people make is that an epidemic of infectious disease has to follow. Now, you might be surprised to know that this is rarely the case in natural disasters. Pretty surprising because of the issues that you would think uh, that dead bodies could cause. Now, we've had epidemics with large numbers of concentrated fatalities, like Ebola in West Africa in 2014. Um, of course, most of what we consider to be a mass casualty event falls in the category of natural disaster, maybe weather events like, uh, oh, I don't know, tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, blizzards, heat, heat waves, all sorts of other things. I mean, the Ebola epidemic, that was essentially a man-made disaster, if you think about it, because it was thought to be, have originated by the consumption of improperly cooked bush meat. If they have cooked their fruit bats in an appropriate oh, manner... I am so... Then, I'm sick... They might not have and done. I can't hardly eat, yeah. and you're just totally <laughs> knocking out any possibility that I'm even going near, like, ch even chicken noodle soup, honey. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, in, in some circumstances, oh <laughs> yeah, in some circumstances like that with Ebola and maybe some other epidemic diseases like cholera, dead bodies associated with those can certainly pose a risk for infection. But natural disaster deaths... They're mostly caused by, well, traumatic injury. It could be caused by drowning. And according to the Pan American Journal of Public Health, there's not a lot of evidence that dead bodies following natural disasters pose a significant epidemic risk as long as you deal with them. Now, when infectious disease does rear its ugly head after a natural disaster, interestingly enough, the human remains are less likely to cause it than the living humans that survive the event. I mean, because you can figure out that these folks are in crowded, they're probably in unsanitary, austere conditions, a sterilization of water, proper pre preparation of food, that's a challenge in these kinds of circumstances. And, of course, that could lead to the rapid transmitted um, transmission of all sorts of diseases, especially diarrheal diseases, and that leads to more contamination. And, oh, boy, what a mess. Well, the mass management of dead bodies is often based on the belief if that they have to be burned or buried immediately as if to prevent an epidemic. 
And this is, according to the World Health Organization, not true. And it's opposite to what was recommended in West Africa, for example. In West Africa, they wanted to cremate the bodies. According to the World Health Organization, burial is preferable to cremation in mass casualty situations. Now, why is that? You might wonder. Well, one thing is it takes a lot of wood to cremate a body, if you think about it. I'm looking at it here, and according to the World Health Organization document, it takes about 300 kilograms of wood, wow, to actually cremate one body. That is 300 kilograms of wood. And of course, you can imagine all the smoke caused by it. So certainly from an OPSEC standpoint, from an operational security standpoint, you know, that would be a a big issue. You could wipe down a lot of trees if you had a lot of dead bodies. Dead bodies, bodies if, yeah. you know, if you're going to cremate all of them. Um, World, Health, World Health Organization also says that you should bury people individually. You should have the graves be 1.5 meters above the water table, which is a shame for us because we are not we don't have 1.5 meters um, to get to the water table. We have about 18 inches. We would inches. have to make burial mounds like the Indians did. Yes, burial mounds. That's what we'd and, have to or, do. Or if you go to places like New Orleans or other places like that, you'll see that a lot of the old burial grounds are very much Concrete above mausoleums, yeah, exactly. above ground. Right. So so that would be <clears throat> something pretty impressive there. Uh, also, they uh, recommend that you have at least a meter of dirt over the body. Other important principles, according to the World Health Organization, include uh, give priority to living over the dead, I agree. Uh, dispel myths about health risks posed by corpses. Uh, you're going to need to do that if you're going to have a team of people that are going to be dealing with them, certainly. Identify and tag corpses. Provide appropriate mortuary services. Reject unceremonious and mass disposal of unidentified corpses. You know what this is? This is most likely, and says you respond to the wishes of the family, respect cultural differences, religious observances. And the truth of the matter is, is that this is not for a true apocalyptic setting. This is really mostly for the feelings of the family members more than anything else. I mean, Yeah, respecting what they choose to do. But the problem is that there are going to be circumstances where there may be so many casualties that you cannot do You're that and you have to deal with things just because of the sheer volume of dead bodies. It's uh Well, I'll tell you when you, you know, you watch these movies and these series that have great numbers of deaths. It's a rare occasion that you actually see anyone getting buried. Right. They pretty much at leave, all at, at all. They pretty just pretty much just walk away, which is horrible. But if you know somebody passes away within your vicinity and it's where you live, that's when you're going to have to do this burial. But if you're on your travels and you need to get out of Dodge and you need to keep going, there's probably not going to be a lot of time that that you're going to stop unless they're or we're very close to you, and you have a safe amount of time to do this, to stop and bury, you may have to just keep going. Right. You know, that that sounds like a scary situation. I hope nobody is ever in that situation, but you may have to make a choice of keeping the group safe 
and keep them moving versus stopping to bury someone that you guys cared about. Exactly. And doing it in a way that respects that person and honors that person and that everyone feels as good as possible that that they've done the ceremony that is important to their religious beliefs. Well, I'm looking here and it says that cremations and burials should always be done at least 500 500 meters or 500 yards or so downwind of dwellings. And of course, uh, any burial should be about 200 feet or so from groundwater drinking sources. Which makes perfect sense. So this is, I think, a, a pretty important guideline here. And we'll talk a little bit more about specific guidelines for workers that have to deal with dead bodies. We'll talk about that next time. Plus, we'll talk about what has happened in the United States over the course of time, how many deaths are occurring from what type of natural disaster or man-made disaster uh, over the course of, let's say, a couple of decades and see basically what are the things that are indeed most deadly in the United States. I think you'd be surprised by the answer. So we'll do that next time. Hey, you know, we are members of the Expert Council for Jack Spirico's popular survival podcast, and we oftentimes get that I think our audience here would benefit from. Here's a question from a young man who's taking his wife and young son to a Zika epidemic country asking for my opinion. This week's question for the Expert Council comes from Kevin, who writes... I'm planning to travel to St. George's K Resort, Belize, at the end of June, along with my wife and six-month child. The CDC recommends taking level two precautions to prevent the transmission of Zika, which I can get off their website. The recommendation is not Zika, of course. (laughs) My sister is getting married in Belize at the resort. Currently, my wife and I are planning on going, bringing our six-month-old son. She's currently breastfeeding him. So leaving him at home is not much of an option. I could travel alone, but I would prefer to bring my wife and son, obviously. They have recommendations above and beyond what the CDC recommends. Should I even consider traveling to Belize, given the recent advent of the Zika virus? If you feel that purchasing your book, The Zika Virus Handbook, indeed, I wrote a book called The Zika Virus Handbook, that would help me be more informed, I will do it. Well, thanks, Kevin. I appreciate that. Let's talk a little bit about your question and your specific situation. Kevin, according to the CDC, the Aedes mosquito has populations in Belize, a Central American country formerly known as British Honduras, and it's thought to be currently spreading the disease. You don't hear much about Zika lately, but it's still causing trouble in places like Brazil where babies are still being born with abnormally small heads, a condition called microcephaly and other problems. You mentioned the CDC recommendations, and let's go over those a little bit. The CDC recommends the following to prevent Zika transmission. They are, first and foremost, that you shouldn't travel there if you or your wife are contemplating becoming pregnant anytime in the near future. For women, it's eight weeks at least. For men, it's six months or more. You didn't mention future plans for your family, so I wanted to mention that. That is indeed a factor. You did mention the CDC instructions on Zika. These are good advice. There's no vaccine or medicine for Zika, and so you can protect yourself somewhat by preventing mosquito bites, right? Cover exposed skin by wearing long sleeve shirts, long sleeve pants. Use EPA registered insect repellents, including DEET, oil of lemon eucalyptus, uh, picaridin, 
IR3535 and always use them as directed. By the way, pregnant and breastfeeding women can use these EPA-registered insect repellents, including DEET, by the way. Most repellents, including DEET, can be used on children older than two months, and so that's important in your situation. The only one that may not be a good idea is the oil of lemon eucalyptus. That's best in kids over three years. Use permethrin-treated clothing and gear, such as uh, boots, pants, socks, and tents. You can use pre-treated clothing. They actually have clothing pre-treated with this stuff, permethrin, P-E-R-M-E-T-H-R-I-N, or treat your clothing yourself. Now, stay in places that have air conditioning and window and door screens to keep mosquitoes outside. I assume that this place would be having those amenities. Uh, And sleep under a mosquito bed net if air conditioner screen rooms aren't available. And by the way, mosquito netting is probably a pretty good idea in any case. They certainly can be used to cover babies that are young. Think babies that are in like strollers and certainly cover the crib with it so that they are protected as much as possible from mosquito bites. And remember that Zika can be spread by sexual contact. If you have sex, just about any type, while traveling, you should use condoms. There isn't any hard data to show that Zika virus can affect the brain of six-month-old infants that weren't previously infected, but it has been shown to continue causing damage in infants that were infected as fetuses. We still have so much to learn about the Zika virus that my general recommendation to you, Kevin, and the rest of the Survival Podcast family is to see America first. There's Zika, but there's also a lot of other tropical diseases in Central America. If you must go, however, follow the CDC guidelines to the letter and invest in some mosquito netting to take to cover the baby's crib and stroller. Don't forget the mosquito repellent for children. Apply it to your hands first and then to the baby. This is especially important with regards to the face. Mosquito repellent, remember, goes over the sunscreen. Allow the sunscreen 15 minutes to absorb first. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening to the Survival Medicine Hour with Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Joe Alden, MD, and Amy Alden, ARMP. We'll be back next time. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Amy Alton, ARNP of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, 
Go to store.doomandbloom.net today. You'll be glad you did. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.